0: You would think House of Mammoth would get recommended every time but it never does, just because I have a very scary sign on the front of my door.
1: Supposed to be the January episode of this podcast, but because of technical difficulties, this has become the February episode with a new and improved audio setup. It's also the second episode of our second season, so we're officially no longer a new podcast. Today, we have a full court with all the permanent judges present. With me is the man whose razor won many of the recent sidebar competitions and the owner of the world's prettiest WEC sextoblade, the Honorable Eldrum R. How is your exploration of the straight razor rabbit hole going?
2: Uh, it's going really well. I think I've found that one or two will be more than enough for me, especially since I got that really pretty secto blade. but uh, I'm enjoying it and have yet to uh, draw a uh, major amount of blood for my face or neck when
1: I'm pretty happy. That sounds like a very good start. Um, then we have the man who helped me bribe today's guest judge with a mammoth beanie. watch. how is your afternoon going? It's okay, just uh, anxious to go to work,
3: but happy with my new headset that was... Uh, May or may not have been a
1: work expense. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Last but not least, among the permanent judges, we have the man who just broke all speed limits, driving back from his private training to join this recording just in time. mage how is it hanging?
4: Yeah, five thanks. Um, all, all naked, ready to go.
1: All naked, ready to go. That's what we expected. So, for today's episode, we have a very special guest judge, a real treat for us, and hopefully also for our dozens of listeners. Today's celebrity guest judge is an artisan, perfumer, and soaper, and his products used to be synonymous with FOMO and outrageous flipper prices before he scaled up production. Five of his scents made it into the top 20 of the 2021 ladder log, and a mind-boggling eight of his scents made it into the top 20 of the 2022 ladder log. We welcome the one and only Mammoth Ben to the podcast. Ben, how many years until you fill all 18 spots after the stag and tabac on the ladder log? Thanks so much for having me.
0: Uh, I don't know. (laughs) It would take quite a lot. I think a lot of people would have to go out of business for me to
1: be able to do that. <laughs> okay, well, we, we don't want that. Well, we thank you a lot for rescheduling this uh, this recording with us after the previous one turned into a technical fiasco. So we we managed to get all the way to here and then couldn't record. Uh, so thank you very much for joining again. No problem. I, I
0: forgot all of my jokes from the first episode, so I'll have to think, think up a few on
1: the fly. Ah, that's good. That's, that's all right. Good. We've got all our content as well, so... <laughs> Yes, and we like the the fresh jokes. Okay, so I hear you have prepared for this by listening to some of our episodes, so you're not a complete novice, is that correct? That is correct. I actually have been really enjoying the podcast. Ah, wonderful. That's, a, that's very nice to hear. We, um, we had one guest judge so far who had never heard an episode, but um, so this, this streak is not broken. <laughs> so, so, But just uh, as a reminder for the audience also, Audiobook Club Shave means we all shave with the same setup, with some variation, and then we talk about it. Today's theme is the Micromatic Mammoth Monday Formation Flight with the Morbor. Uh, this used to be um, uh, a format that a lot of the people in the SOTD posts used on Mondays. Uh, somewhere, I would say, in the first half of 2021 was the heyday of the MMMMFF. Um, have you brought a, a set of House of Mammoth software? <laughs> ben?
3: Oh yes, of course. I today. I was like, Are you talking to me? Yes. <laughs> I'm
0: like, well of course I did. You told me to. Excellent. <laughs> and you
1: also have a gem micromatic flying
0: wing. I sure do. Uh thankfully a um, good friend Infernal Eternal was uh, able to loan me. I uh, well, I've got a chance to try it out and it's really a fantastic little wazer.
1: No, uh, wonderful. Infernal Eternal used to, it was our first ever guest judge on this on this podcast. Um, and you also have the Zenith sub-exclusive more bore brush.
0: I sure do. I've, uh, I've used it exactly once so far, but I've done a bunch of test lathers and soakings and all sorts of um, incantations as you need to do to break in. A new boy brush I think
1: it's working. <laughs> yeah I, I'm sure we'll get to talk about how how hard it is to uh, to, to break in this particular r- brush we have a, a wide variety of, of uses of it so I think the mage and, and I probably have the most uses on it I'm for me it's the 33rd use of this brush the mage, you you must also be in that ballpark right uh, I'm probably yeah,
4: around 20 to 30 uh, I have swapped out, yeah, swapped out occasionally. I think I got it like a week later than you did.
1: No, no, you got it way before me. You oh, got I mean, it an I'm... entire UK postal uh, fiasco before me.
4: Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I must be about 30,
1: then. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. And uh, Eld and Whistlewatch, you got uh, your brushes relatively recently, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to hear that the, you're very happy. The real, to the real home
4: of uh, shaving real talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, today's gear. Um, uh, this is actually the second time uh, that we have an, an episode that falls on Mammoth Monday. Last time was the episode, it was episode five, when Mericus and his quote unquote grand unified theory of ladder were on trial. Um, the, the Micromatic Mammoth Monday for Formation Flight concept uh, is that we all use different mammoth scents, but the rest stays the same. So we all have the same hardware. As we as we already alluded to, uh, this is the month where all continental US American owners should have gotten their sub-exclusive Morabore brush. So this is the first episode where we get to use it too. Maricus, the same Maricus who was here on the first formation flight, uh, has already done a podcast episode using the Morbor and I invite you all to listen to it and I will link to it in the, uh, in the, in the show notes. It's, uh, he also told a little bit the story of the Odyssey that the Morbor brush had to uh, go through to get all the way to, to the US. Um, I think with that we can start the tour of everyone's setup. Um, Whistlewatch, what is your, uh, your software that you will be using today? No
3: one else is using Mood Indigo, right? <laughs>
4: See, that's the thing, right? Because it's been so long since the uh, the first attempt. I can't remember what software I'm going to be using. So I'm hoping everyone's going to go first. And I'd be last to think, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm using Higa, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I think at some point months ago when we planned this, we made sure that there's no overlap. Uh, so I think you're, you're safe and the, the only user of Mood Indigo. Yes. And you still use yeah. the old Mood Indigo, not the new Indigo, right?
3: Correct. Uh, also known as Mindigo for short.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, very good. It's a mage. So, what are you using? What is your software this time? Well,
4: I'm either using Heger uh, or Tobacconist. So it depends what else is uh, is
1: doing. Ah, so. so we. So you you were actually serious. You you forgot what which. Uh, yeah,
4: I okay. completely forgot.
1: Okay, so then let's go. <laughs> We'll circle back to you. We'll circle back to you. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Eld, what is your software today?
2: <laughs> uh, I'm going to use Embrace. It is one of my favorite of Ben's sense, so I'm going to enjoy today's show.
1: And is it uh, the full set, the trifecta?
2: Yes, I've, I've got the soap, the balm,
1: the uh, EDP as well. Okay, sounds great. Ben, what, what have you brought? Um, I, I've decided to use Beloved.
0: What made your decision? Oh, so I was originally going to use uh, Fu Dao, but I decided that um, with the seasonal change, things are feeling a little bit warmer. I wanted to have something that was a little bit brighter, but still had some nice uh, comforting dry down to it. And that's what Beloved is for me. It's a a nice fresh lavender, but then it's almost uh, honey and like ice cream. Uh, in the dry down so it's really really nice and this one particularly meaningful to me because it was basically the first um, scent that I made together with my wife who made it as a wedding scent uh, when we got married a while back and um, I always kind of thought I would bring this back and re- you know update it with better perfumery skills once I sort of figured out what I was doing and uh, that's what we loved, ended up becoming it came out I think last year
1: well oh, that's a wonderful story. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so uh, I will be using a tub of Shire that I just received. Uh, Shire is one of the scents that I was hunting for for quite a while. I got a smoosh from Infernal Internal, the one who um, uh, loaned you his um, flying Wing band. And uh, ever since I kept my eyes open on the Czar. And I recently got a tub that is almost unused. So I'm very happy to, uh, to use Shire for the first time uh, since I got this new tub. And um since I only have the soap, I have to mix and match, and I will be using almond leather uh splash with it because it seems it's the one that goes best uh, with it from from all the uh, mammoth post shaves I have
4: okay it's a mage well, thank you for coming to me first um d j so today I'm going to be using tobacconist, which uh, I think is probably one of my favorite scents in wet shaving to be honest it's such a really rich um Tobacco um, is there? Is a the leather in there, Ben?
0: Not quite. It's more like tobacco and uh, cedar. There's a lot of cedar in cedar. there because it's sort of like a tobacconist shop.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's such a, a really great, well-crafted, rounded scent for sort of the the cold, cold months. I feel um, if it was if it was summertime, I would probably use in heeger. Uh, I think today, but now I'm going to stick with tobacconists. Now, unfortunately, I never picked up any of the post-shave when it was available in the UK, so um, I'm
1: I'm going to use Irish Moose. Ah, nice. nice. Okay, with the gear tour out of the way, how about we start laddering up? Absolutely.
3: Okay. Need to a lot for extra time for loading this ridiculous knot.
1: (laughs) I feel like it loads very quickly.
4: I think it loads very quickly as well
1: yeah but um i think uh some age we ours is more broken in so maybe uh well
4: one thing about zenith is it always seems to load extraordinarily well very early i feel anyway all the zenith brushes i've used have been um really good out of the box um
1: sure but there i mean but there aren't gradations right i mean the uh, new zenith will also Eat your second uh, your second pass, and it takes a it takes a handful of shaves before you can get a multi pass shave with one load. At least that was my experience. Don't you agree?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's you know fair fair play. I think probably about five shaves. I think mine was ready, broken in.
1: Mm, nice. So this is the first time for me loading uh, tusk base with this uh, with this uh, uh, brush, and I immediately get super creamy proto ladder. this uh this joy of using tusk works also with this brush so ben how does one go about um developing a new shaving soap base oh
0: so from the beginning you mean uh basically i was making bath soaps and then a friend of mine got me into um the wet shave hobby and i never realized that there were folks out here that were doing this we've all gone to the farmers markets and seen bath soaps and that kind of thing and um just never really appealed to me but the idea that people were making their own shaving soaps i thought that was very cool i never never experienced that before so i enjoyed trying out all the other stuff that people were making but then of course because i was curious i just figured i would try my hand at it so i made a lot of things anywhere from you know bath soaps to beer to i, I love to cook um so just the idea of like taking raw materials and figuring out how to add heat and reactions and combine them and whatever and come out with something. My first production soap was actually um, what I would consider a fairly average soap based by today's standards. Um, but that took me a long time to even figure out. It took me about a year of testing and trying. And then um, when I sort of felt like I knew what I was doing a little bit better, I thought, let me go back to some of the science of this and figure out how to reconfigure some of the same ingredients, but improve it. I basically had a couple of ideas in mind of how I wanted it to perform. And, uh, you know, at the time, a lot of people were were talking about um, very thick, dense lathers as being premium. And I wanted to keep it close to the skin the way that uh, straight razor users love it, but also wanted it to be easy to use. And it seemed like a lot of the artisans were really pushing the envelope way too far into this sort of thick, dense kind of suffocating type lather. And so I wanted to keep it easy to use for a brand new shaver. Cause one of the things that I remember when I first picked up a tub of, of artisan soap was how do you know when it's ready to use, you know, just kind of <laughs> feeling in the dark, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I wanted it to be easy to use and easy to lather. I can get a good lather out of this soap in like 30 seconds. Mm -hmm.
5: Um,
0: and also wanted to carry fragrance really well, because obviously, you know, that's one of the things that's important to me and my brand is being able to have those fragrances represented as accurately as possible, even though soap is not a transparent medium. Um, Just doing that the best way possible. So one of the reasons Tusk holds fragrance so well is, first of all, it doesn't have a, a base scent of its own. If you pick up the uh, Z, which is our unscented, it's uh, it's relatively scent-free, and the other thing is that it is it stays liquid at a fairly low temperature, which means that I can add my fragrance uh, at a lower temperature, which means less damage is done to the fragrance uh, <laughs> by the heat. That was an extremely complete answer, and you already took uh, uh took a few of the questions uh, uh away that I have
1: for later. How you deal with the, the so with the sense in soap? So this was uh, wonderful. <laughs> Thank you very much. I think um uh, the thirty seconds that it takes to that task are over. Are we ready to start the first pass?
3: Yeah, Ben, that was a really good answer. This is uh shaping up to be a good one.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah,
3: I hope I'm not saying too much. I mean, I don't want to give away all my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really enjoying Shire. This um,
0: uh, I, I'm so happy that I found the top of it uh, on the Czar. Is there any chance that Shire will make a rerun? Uh, yes, I'm actually working on it right now. Um, sort of in the way that I did uh, that I brought back Sander, uh-huh. where instead of just bringing it back as it was, I wanted to update the fragrance and make it sort of much, muchier. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the best word would be, but yeah, just giving it more dimension. Um, what's cool about continuing to learn and grow is you can kind of figure out how even an individual note can really be made more and more dimensional by just like slight adjustments. Um, and so I'm planning to do that with Shire Modi working on it right now. I have a bunch of materials on order and they're on their way. So if all goes well, my and and my tweaks that I've been working on work. Um I'm gonna be able to put that out sometime this
1: spring. Fantastic. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. This um grass and tobacco combination is uh, I don't know why I enjoy it so much, but it 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 just it just feels so comforting.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean I'm glad for the inspiration of the Hobbit or whatever it is, because otherwise I wouldn't have thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Are we ready to ladder on for the second pass? Yeah, absolutely. No, oh, okay. So one thing that the audience might not know is um, Mammoth Ben is uh, the most prolific poster on our sub of all the artisans in the last year. I was just really bored? <laughs> well, um, yeah, maybe, but it was specific for last year. before that, it, it took you a while to ramp up. I think in the all time artisan ranking, you are wait uh, you're number five, uh, Sean of Chatillon Luke, uh, Stephen. Um, Rocket and uh, Will Carries posted more in in, uh, in aggregate, but in last year, you were the, the first one. <laughs> yeah, I
0: really enjoy um, interacting with people on the sub. It's, um, it's not as fun to just kind of be like, buy my product, you know, I really, the thing that I enjoy is joking around with people and kind of asking questions, bouncing back and forth, and you know, a good deal of shit-posting as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Ah, um, we forgot one thing, Um, we forgot the uh, Dr. Roder Schill
1: report, so this time we did bribe the guest judge, we gave him a Mammoth Beanie, Mammoth is a Swiss outdoor apparel brand, so it was a Mammoth Beanie for Mammoth Ben, Uh, but all the softwares were bought by ourselves, so Dr. Roder can be satisfied.
0: Yeah, it was incredibly uh, generous, what a really nice surprise, and it fits great and looks great too.
3: Fantastic. which side do you prefer considering it's reversible
0: i don't know i mean my my everyday winter jacket is sort of like a charcoal gray so i usually go for the more colorful side um just to kind of pop a little bit but they're both they're both cool i mean i i think if i had to really choose only one to wear i'd
1: choose the one that has the mammoth yeah of course of course that's the only right answer Uh, so this, when you described how you want to uh, remake Shire, that reminds me of of uh, the way you described the new Hooker. Um, you also did two versions of that, and uh, <laughs> you described it as um, uh, it's like uh, going from HD to no, from single definition to high definition and adding more dimensions. Yeah, definitely. Than- so is this is this something that you plan to do with, with all the with the, all your scents that you that you keep evolving them? Um,
0: not particularly. Uh, you know, I think it made sense in the case of Hugue because um, when I first made Hugue, I was just nervous about skin sensitivity, and IFRA had uh, basically forbidden oak moss absolute. You know, and so the more that I learned, the more that I realized, you know, the reasons for it. And then they actually relaxed. They allowed a certain type of oak moss And so at the time I was using one particular material for oak moss And I said, you know what? I love oak moss absolute. Um, it's the kind of material that I would just wear on its own as a perfume of its own. <laughs> um, so having the opportunity basically to do that, I was like, all right, well, I, I cannot do it. As far as Sander, I just, I mean, I like the original idea. It just felt like it didn't, it didn't get where I really wanted it to go. And so I had a different vision for it And because it was a limited edition. That was only for the NYC expo meetup that we did way back when Mm -hmm. I felt fine with re-releasing it and not changing the name or making a big deal about it. Hugh guy, I've just added a number two because it's the same profile, but just with, with a few of those, Mm -hmm. uh, changes. Uh, the oakmoss and there was a few other things that I updated as well so just better quality this oakmoss kind com- uh,
1: reminds me of something that um, I just recently heard from uh, Rod of uh, Sterling um, uh, so Varen which is one of my favorite sterling scents <laughs> apparently it's just um, loaded up with oakmoss absolute and um, uh, is uh, uh, in violation of all the recommendations for the quantities that are that are um, that, that you should um, maintain for skin sensitivity so i, c- I can understand why uh, uh, why you wanted to update that
0: yeah i mean it's wonderful it's an essential component of the fougere category but also um it's incredibly useful in so many other types particularly in older fragrances they kind of it kind of fell out of favor once mm-hmm. it was um Restricted, and then perfumers started to find other alternatives, and they got used to doing that. And then, I guess, sort of consumer tastes evolved along with it. So now you can still find perfumes that have notes of um, oakmoss, but a lot of them are using replacers or various, you know, aroma chems that put it together. And they probably discovered that maybe it was cheaper to <laughs> to use the replacers. So. Do you know um, why it's restricted? Um, there was a concern about skin sensitivity activity, and so IFRA, which um, provides these regulations, basically just said you can't use it um, without kind of diving deep into, well, why? So then after that, they they discovered that, you know, the specific part of oakmoss absolute that was causing the irritation could be removed. And so there was a version that they put out that didn't have that in it. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a similar thing with like bergamot and other um, citruses that will cause photosensitivity, meaning that if you if you use it on your face, let's say, and then you go out in the sun, you're more likely to get a sunburn. Um, and that happens a lot when people are just using either cheap or just straight um, citrus essential oils in their products. It's probably fine in soap because it just washes right off. But then once you put it in a after shave, and you're putting it straight on your face and leaving it there. Um, that's really where you end up with that that issue. So, if there are any aspiring soap makers out there, or even current soap makers that that didn't know, make sure that you buy the bergapten free. Make sure there's not, none of that stuff in there, and uh, your customers will thank you for it.
1: Oh, nice <laughs> public service announcement.
3: <laughs> All trade secrets revealed in this <laughs> podcast episode.
1: Yes. Oh, I still have a few trade secret questions.
0: <laughs> How to not burn people? Well look, I have a vested interest in this because the truth is any any single artisan you know small business that's making products and putting it out there is potentially a representative for everybody else in the industry. And so I say industry, but it's really just a handful of us, you know. So when one person puts out a cheap, crappy product and it gives somebody a bad experience, they're much less likely to buy more, not just from that person but also to, to continue to give the wet shaving hobby a shot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. know, Some people think like, Oh, is there a lot of competition in the wet shaving, you know, among wet shaving artisans? I don't really think so. I mean, there's definitely how many people do you know in your life that don't even know about what wet shaving is. Um, and if people have good experiences and they really enjoy it, well, then of course they're going to invite other people to do it. But, I think the more that people put out stuff that's low quality, just to get like a quick sale, or potentially dangerous because they didn't do the work of learning how yeah. to make safe products for people's skins, skin, well, they're less likely to continue.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, we we, we, probably to write we, we, we probably shouldn't name names, but I think we all have had. Um, Experiences with uh, uh, Sofers and um,
0: uh, Artisans who do not uh, Take that uh, those pains And um, and been birth <laughs> Yeah I mean and it's not even Just the you know some people Oh you know you have to do it this way You have to do it that way and then other people argue Oh well, yeah but you know I'm just trying To you know put out good quality stuff At a cheap price And um, it's not just the Wet shaving hobby I think it's everywhere All yeah. of us are familiar with the things that we use in our everyday lives seem to have gotten crappier and crappier over the last five to 10 years. And it's because we don't like paying more for the thing that we used to, <laughs> even though the cost of labor and everything else has gone up, you know, so, you know, everyone gets really upset when the price of goods goes up, but something's got to give. So that's why you see stuff like, um, what's it called? Shrinkflation. Where ah, yeah, yeah. You're buying a product for the same price, but now they're giving you less Uh, fewer ounces let's say so it looks the same Um, or they're cutting costs and materials and you wouldn't know that because you're not at the manufacturer level but you know a t-shirt that used to be made with you know an extra run of stitching now has less or they're using a cheaper fabric or whatever it might be Um, the same thing happens I think in the soap industry and in the perfume industry where if the if the number one value that consumers have is they want to be able to buy a lot of things cheaply and it's kind of disposable. Well, then at some point the quality and the manufacturing is going to have to go down and down and down. It's just not going to, have, you know, there's no other way for it to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are we ready for the up for, for the third pass? Halfway through it. Halfway through it. I was, I was thinking that they're still shaping sounds in the background. Someone must have uh, gone ahead. <laughs> okay, so I'm also landing up for the th- third pass. Um,
1: you have uh, interesting collaborations. You had interesting collaborations last year with uh, Scott of Declaration Grooming and Cody from Noble Otter with the two Cerberus, uh, scents. Um, how, how did you How did you have the idea to do this collaboration and will there be more? um well Cerberus in particular
0: at the beginning was kind of a joke um that was just between me and scott and cody where there were a bunch of people that were doing goo you guys are familiar um gentlemen new restraint until year end and it's actually something that i i support you know i think it's a good idea to enjoy the things that you have you know and really appreciate them um so we were just kind of joking around about it and we were like we should put out a product that would just be incredible, just irresistible that people would just have to buy, you know? And so it's kind of like a friendly competition of like, what can we make that would be something that, that would make people want to break Luia. Um So that was really just a joke. You know, it wasn't something that we were like, let's really do this. But I think after that, it's just the way that something goes in your head. And then you go, you know, I really like these two guys and I'd really like to work with them. I wonder if we could make something. That would be really cool, and that people would really enjoy and really want. Um,
1: and so that's kind of where where it went. Yeah, that's how it started. Uh, uh, wonderful. I, I really liked, uh, especially the first uh, Cerberus. It's um, I'm I'm still a bit bitter that I didn't get the post shape only the soap, but this Stone Fruit is so nice in that.
3: And I'm so waiting on my promo loner of Cerberus Fougère from somebody but I think one day it will happen. I'm very patient, of course, since it's you know, a promo loner.
0: <laughs> was it a promise to you?
3: Yeah, I think somebody said they were at least going to send me a sample. but.
0: Uh... Well, I can send you a sample of mine. I don't mind sending it out. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks,
1: was, it, was it something me and I forgot?
3: No. Okay, so I think what you're thinking of, DJ, is when we met up, Last month, I meant to tell you to bring yours so I could huff it.
1: Ah, yeah, yeah, exactly. But
3: then forgot. So (laughs) I still haven't smelled it.
1: Uh, Well, you're in for a treat once you smell it. Uh, So, um, your mission, according to your website, is we make fragrances and luxury wet shaving products, raising awareness and funds to fight human trafficking. Do you want to say something about that? Do you want to plug something?
0: Um, Yeah, sure. Also, I, I love how you <laughs> you did the sort of
1: like essay thing. You're a college professor, right? Um, no, no, I'm out of academia. I left uh, last year, last summer. Oh, okay. My apologies. I, I, no I
0: wasn't keeping up. <laughs> Webster's Dictionary defines human trafficking as... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was actually uh, one of the reasons why I even decided to... To create a brand in the first place you know i was perfectly fine just kind of messing around with making soaps and learning about it and um once people started saying no we want to buy it you should make it We really, and i was having a great time with the fragrances of them too and just kind of messing around with that too and i thought you know what if i'm gonna do this let me let me do it in a way that gives back to the world and um a lot of the shave soap hobby community um involvement that i had was, was in kind of a tough time in my life, um, having a a newborn and um, some of the stuff that was happening personally, which I won't go into, um, and just kind of the overall state of things in in the country. And um, so it was really one of those things where I was getting very just bitter, I guess, and angry, and really wanted to find a way to be like, okay, well, what kind of a world is my son going to live in? And how can I kind of? make myself the kind of role model that would be worth following um, instead of kind of being this angry person. So that was one of the reasons why I decided to even launch this was I thought back to, you know, a decade earlier when I had gotten to take a trip um, with some friends to Thailand and learned about child sex trafficking, you know, firsthand. And some of my friends ended up starting uh, an organization called Love 146 um and then i also got connected with some other folks who were doing similar work uh, which was restore nyc and so um i had over the previous 10 years i had just kind of stayed connected with them and supported them and um did whatever i could Um, i had a kind of like a little online record label on myspace (laughs) before that was even a thing of having you know all these collaborations online and so on uh and i just got together a bunch of people that I knew that played music because I was in the music and art scene. And I got a bunch of people together and had everybody record a song and put out an album, you know, and then we did it two or three more times. I put out three, two or three albums, um, just kind of just the same thing. And you can download it. I'll send you a link and whatever money you want to send uh, is going to get donated. So it's kind of like a similar thing, but, but this was with the shaving thing. So that was kind of how it started, you know, just realizing that, you know, there's something very concrete that I could do to make the world a better place. And I was going to do what I could. Oh, nice. But so you buried the, the, the main uh, thing that you do now. <laughs> One dollar out of every tub goes to Restore NYC, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we've donated to Love 146 um, and Soar Over Asian Hate. And um, most recently with the Voices soap, we, we donated to. Um, Stop AAPI Hate, which was our voices collaboration with the guys from Lather Talk. And uh, also uh, the food release uh, supported Soar Over Asian Hate. Um, so right now, yeah, we're donating a dollar per tub. And this includes not just what we sell from our, our site, but also anything that you buy from a vendor. So um, as much as I would love to say, yeah, only you should only buy from us. I get, you know, people also buy from vendors too, and you want to support them. So no worries, Uh, wherever you buy it from, we're still donating that dollar, um, whether we sold it wholesale or we sold it retail. Um, And then also the EDP. So we're a fragrance house, I'm, I'm an independent perfumer. And so the fragrances that we sell, the full bottle, 48 ml fragrances, uh, we also donate 10% of the retail price of those. And then whenever we have a new scent, I usually like to collaborate with the brush maker and we put out brushes. And similarly, we donate 10% of the purchase price of those. And we usually run some raffles that also help people kind of get their hands on a limited edition, one of a kind or, you know, something like that uh, item, usually brushes along with a set. And that money always also goes
1: to, you know, Restore NYC or, or whatever organization. Mm, like also the the second set of Misfit last week. Exactly, yeah. And and I did the same thing the previous
0: year with the Jarvis set. Uh, both of them were for the Lather Games prize winners. And uh, really fun projects, you know, doing something. I mean, look, it's it's a huge amount of
1: effort just for <laughs> one or two people to be able to enjoy. I, I just want to say, yeah, it sounds like a lot of effort.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a tremendous amount of effort. I mean, basically the same amount of time that I put into creating a full run production set goes into uh, doing the one-off because yeah. it's the creative development.
1: But um, you can rest assured it wasn't for one or two people. Uh, last year, <laughs> the second set of Jarvis ended up with a Jeep Guy and he must have given smushes of it to 50 people in the set. Everyone, everyone incredible. who won it uh, got to try Jarvitz, and uh, it, it, I, I, I really like the scent. <laughs> it's, a, it's sort of. and yeah, I, mean, I barely knew uh, who he was either. And I was like, "Why are you giving this away?" He sent me a smush. <laughs> it, it's such, it's such a funny. I was like, "Oh yeah, I don't even have a tub of this thing. That's how exclusive the prize is." And he was like, "Oh, I'll send you some." Yeah, yeah. So he, I guess he felt like a winner's guilt or something, and uh, made sure that. Uh, uh, a lot of people got to try it, and it's it's a uh, funny experience to to like shave with a scent that is meant to represent a, a person. So it's a, it's a <laughs> I, I really yeah. like the concept.
0: Well, and the cool thing about it is too, you know, that's the that's the thing that I love about independent perfumery is that you can really do something special like that. Um, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that i was using beloved and that was a very personal scent to me and the story of you know my wife and my you know if you didn't come to my wedding you wouldn't have known what our soap smelled like that we handed out to everybody right but now you can Mm -hmm. and i think that you know a lot of folks really like to put out fragrance dupes for instance or they want to put something that's like you know single note which is great this one's a rose scent and this one's a lavender scent and this one's cedar and all of that stuff is great uh but they serve a a specific purpose and they don't have that same kind of personal connection, I think, as somebody saying, I'm going to try to create something that's completely original and brand new that nobody else could have made but me. And I'm going to put that out. And I'm going to use this as a way to connect and communicate with other people. And so that's kind of what I try to do.
1: Um, is it time for post-shave? Absolutely. So um, uh, I forget, uh, Simej, you just said that ah, no, mm-hmm. So you are using Irish moss. Then we have... well, I was,
4: but then everyone was on about Cerberus, so I've got dug my ball of Cerberus out.
1: <laughs> you, have, you have a splash of the original Cerberus? I do, yeah. yeah. Oh, wonderful! I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, uh, since we're at the post-shave phase, um, what's with the, the cooling agent in every post shape Wow, that's
0: actually part of the reason uh, why why the question is because I'm not very good at describing the reasons why I do things sometimes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so basically the coolant was in uh, kryptonite originally, and then I put it in in You know, basically for the same reason as everybody else, which was it's kind of a fun thing for like a warm weather. You know, if it's very hot, you want that cooling feel. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. in the history of Aftershave splashes, particularly alcohol-based aftershave splashes, um, it's very common for people to put menthol in them. Uh, one of the reasons for the menthol is to help kind of, um, I guess, distract your, your skin a little bit <laughs> from what it just went through. Yeah. Um, but I always hated menthol because the smell of it is so strong that it just ruins the top notes of whatever it is that you're using. And everything kind of ends up smelling very you know, the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to figure out, you know, what's, what's our uh, splash formula going to look like? And obviously Sonder and Kryptonite have a good dose of the, of the, um, cooling. And I thought, you know what, let's put a little smidge of it in all of them, because this is basically like a vintage alcohol based aftershave splash, but made in the way that if it was made by hand with current knowledge and techniques And the way that a small scale manufacturer could do it because we're not cutting corners and we're not trying to get, you know, this massive amount of stuff out for like $5 a bottle or whatever it is, um, what would they do? And I kept the synthetic menthol in there because it does the same exact thing. It just kind of distracts your skin a little bit um, at the beginning from, well, both first the, you know, the, the actual process of having run a blade across your face but also a little bit of the alcohol sting as well. Um, just kind of gives you like a little bit of alcohol fuel and then a little bit of cooling. And that lessens, I think it lessens uh, some of the redness that hmm. you normally get.
1: OK. And uh, just to be clear, you're using WS23, right? The Wilkinson-Sort cooler. Yes. Yeah. We had an episode yes. on, on that uh, a while back. I forget which episode number it was. Ah, good. Um, is it the moment for a little bit of brush talk? Yeah, I little a bit of brush talk. Mm. So um, uh, for the ones who just recently got their their brush, maybe we can start with uh, with Ben. Um, so you said that this is your second shave with it and you did a few hand ladders in between? Uh, yes. So how is it coming along? I mean,
0: it's it's beautifully soft. Um, there's no pokiness at all. I mean, I've, I've broken in a few bore brushes, and my favorite current one is the Omega Pro Forty Eight, which is a twenty-eight millimeter kind of barbish style bore, mm-hmm. um, and I always love kind of the scritchiness that it has. That is it's a scratchy nice and floppy one, right? Like. Yeah, it's very. It's it's. I don't consider it to be incredibly floppy, um, but yeah, it's it's a lot softer uh, than this guy. Well, this guy's got a lot more backbone, mm-hmm. um, and mine. I don't know if it's a defect, but mine has a, a little bit of a glue bump too. Um, my, my I, more board has a little bit of blue bump too.
1: I think they, 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 that's typical for, for mammoth, uh, for Zenith, they have, uh, they have the high bumps.
0: Right. Right. I don't think that it distracts from anything. However, because the height of the hair is, is plenty that you're not getting down to the bump. You know, it mm-hmm. really only is an issue if you, if the bump is so high and there's not enough loft that you're like hitting the bump. And it's kind of distracting. Yeah, but yeah. Mine's mine's very soft. The tips are really, really nice, and it covers quite a bit of your face as you <laughs> as you're lathering. Really, really
1: nice. Um, a Mage, you are the veteran here with it, um, mm. uh, and and you've broken in many zenith br- uh, brushes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Were you also surprised? Uh, I mean, I I've uh, this might, might be my sixth or seventh zenith brush, uh, but. I felt like this one was had softer tips from the get-go than, than most mm-hmm. of the other brushes I've tried, and it ate less lather than, than most of the other brushes. Mm-hmm. Did you have a similar experience?
4: Yeah, I, I think so. So um, I had a, um, to use the European numbering convention, I, I've got a 507 in olive wood, mm-hmm. and that's got a, a nice uh, loft to it. I think it's about 57 mils off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, that one broke in really easily like probably about five days something like that barely ate the lather um but i had what, what was it now it's a um i can't remember if this if they call it like a 50 or a 49 or something like that and that one's a lot of coarser. i don't know um if they use different grades of hair i think you've spoken to them before haven't you i don't think they do but they no they they just, they way just way have to, bleached and
1: unbleached to. they claim <laughs>
4: Yeah, so maybe it's just the way the NOS has been constructed. Uh, constructed, but I thought this uh, the the double digit zenith compared to the triple digit uh, zenith. thought mm-hmm. well, I felt a, a bit bit scratchy, a bit rougher. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting the way that one dries. Actually, I have to take a photo of it. But instead of sort of blooming in a nice sort of bulb shape, it's um, it dries a bit weirdly. So, say maybe. It's the way that knot has been constructed. Does it
1: just get a little crown of fluff and in the center it stays together?
4: Um, it's hard to describe. It's a lot flatter, I think, in the way that it dries Yeah, compared to the 507. Yeah. I mean, compared to the Samoga boards I have, uh, they really crown out, yeah, really bloom out. Um, I think the Zeniths are, are quite a lot denser, I think.
1: Uh-huh. they just great <laughs> seal. So, So I've experimented with loose uh, Zenith uh, knots, and uh, Mm -hmm. if you don't, if I mean, if the if the ferrule is loose, they bloom out like like all the typical uh, bore images that you have in mind. So it's really their way of of uh, of uh, dimensioning the the ferrule and the density of the knot Mm -hmm. that keeps the their uh, whole their full brushes from blooming out that way.
4: Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so I think the two. Zenith i've got are, are quite dense but it's in different in different ways i think yeah uh, I'll, I'll take a picture anyway and i'll show you
1: Ah, oh, nice we can uh, we can add it to the show notes hey um eld so you were the one who discovered the b35 the model that this uh, that this brush is um, sold us in the us uh, for for us um so you've broken in the same brush already before did you notice any differences no, there this one is definitely
2: the the more board brush is definitely much softer out of the box, more splay. Um the loft is the same, the diameter of the knot is the same, but this one absolutely is I, I think it's a, a higher tier of hair, even okay. though I know they list just bleached and unbleached. There's this my, one's definitely much softer right off the
1: bat. My conspiracy theory grows. So I've also tried L S B thirty-five, and L S B thirty-five had such a strong backbone that it felt like you have a small hand um on uh, pressing on your face, you know, <laughs> like, like a small hand pressing. Uh it it it, it basically didn't splay, right, Eld, the other one.
2: Yeah, it was
1: you, you had to put a lot of pressure to get it to
2: splay. And it did, but if you didn't soak it ahead of time, it was not
1: <laughs> yes and and you I think you used it like something like a hundred times before you considered it broken in
2: uh, it was about 60
1: so, um, yeah so it the... took,
2: it, yeah it took it took a while to break in it was never uncomfortable or abrasive um, not like some of the other boards I've tried to break in but um, you definitely felt it on your face for the first uh 20 or 25 uses, and then it softened up, but it still didn't splay much. This one, five shaves in, and it's wonderful. And I think I'm at 10 or 15 uses now, and it's just its fantastic. And I know it's still got more to go. I know it'll break in so much better. But I think it's definitely – this one is better than the B35 I had.
1: Yeah, I I really think that uh, Antonella from Zenith, um, she – did something more than she does for for this kind of brush usually. This is hands down the best Zenith I've, I've broken in. And um, from the feedback that I saw so far on the sub, I think everyone agrees this is just, it comes basically broken in and soft. <laughs> it's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's it's an amazing brush. I'm glad it finally worked out. I definitely have to agree. I mean, like I said, this is only my second use of it. And it's excellent. So kudos to all of you guys and of course Jeep guy who's not on here right now, but awesome work. I know it took a while, but I think it was well worth it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it took a while and it was, it had like stupid roadblocks, like silliness. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the The most straightforward things just wouldn 't work it was It was really insane and there 's a good there 's good description of of everything that went wrong in America's, um last episode of Shave Pod. I will put the link in the in the show notes but um uh, so he, he tells a story from the American perspective what uh, all the things that went wrong uh, with the import business um, and how rod from uh, sterling had to jump in and uh, battle the the federal government to get the to get the the, the lot uh, re- released uh, by customs but here on the european side everything seemed to go well uh, and uh, the shipment reached uh, scorp in in the uk very quickly scorp did the european distribution and then um i think something like four brushes were actually destined for the uk so i think ndg some age harry copite and and scorp so, so only four of the European brushes were actually supposed to, to stay in the UK and all the rest had to go out. But that, that was exactly, it hit exactly the day when this Russian hacker attack um, completely destroyed <laughs> the IT of a Royal Mail. <laughs> so, so all our brushes were just sitting in the post office somewhere in, in, in the UK for a month. And uh, neither the, the uh, Royal Mail nor anyone else knew uh, where they were, uh, where they should go, <laughs> what to do. And after a month, they slowly started uh, shipping again. So the first shipment went to, the, to Germany, then the France, then Switzerland. Uh, some countries took longer. I think Norway was one of the slower ones. But like. Every aspect of this more bore operation had, had silly roadblocks. It was insane. Like, who could have, who could have guessed that in the end, a, a Russian hacker attack um, on, on Royal Mail will, will, uh, will stop <laughs> the delivery of the, of the brush to of Europe? It was insane.
4: Putin hates freedom and boar brushes.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: um, in regards to distribution outside the USA, is there any movements on that, do you think? Do you think you'll ever sell? outside of uh, America
0: again? Uh, yeah, currently, well, besides uh, the fact that we do ship to other countries, um, you can find our stuff through Maggards, uh, top of the chain. We have a distributor in Mexico named Ritual Shave. And then of course, uh, Antiqua in the EU. Great. Yeah, yeah.
4: In, in regards to uh, the naming process for your soaps, how do you come up with the names?
0: Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I don't. I don't really know that there's a specific um, process by which that happens. You know, sometimes it's it's actually suggested by somebody else. Uh, actually, I have uh, one coming out hopefully soon that was a suggestion um, by Ray Mooney. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Ray Mooney. Sent me a news article and said, "Hey, you should think about this. Maybe this will be a, an inspiration." And um, so you know. Kind of surprised him the other day and I said, hey, by the way, it's done. <laughs> so that's going to come out. And then sometimes it's just something that comes to me. You know, beloved is obvious. Um, food was obvious, you know, just kind of a thing that me and my wife went back and forth. And there were a lot of different uh, Chinese expressions and words and things that we, were, we thought about naming it. Um, it was the year of the tiger. So we thought, hey, maybe we, we should make a reference to a tiger. And then we thought, nah, you know, this needs to be something that we can bring back every year if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, so it really it really just depends and sometimes the name is something that ties to something personal and then that kind of drives the inspiration from the for the scent itself Um, and sometimes it's the other way around you know I'm thinking about uh, what does this scent remind me of you know this kind of messing around in the lab (laughs) at the perfumery table and then thinking oh you know this 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 kind of reminds me of this thing or that thing um, Cerberus was about you know the three artisans, the three headed monster, of three artisans coming together. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. Does that help you? Uh, help answer a little bit?
4: Well, I mean it's an open forum. You know, whatever answer you give, I'm happy to accept. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I think it's just a creative process, isn't it? You know, some sort of like DJ needs you know evidence and things like that to back him up. Well, you know, the more creative <laughs> mind, probably just goes with the flow, don't they? You know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a thing. Um, I remember reading, I think Paul Simon, you know, songwriter, he said that he sets aside a time every day where he sits down and he's going to write. Um, other people, you know, I've heard people talk about driving down the road and an idea comes into their head and they pull over and they have to write it down because the inspiration is there. And so they're just kind of waiting for things to happen and fall into their head. And so a lot of what they're doing is creating conditions, hopefully, that ideas can come. Um, and then I've also, you know, obviously people, do all sorts of things, go travel, have new experiences, yeah. um, try to scare themselves, or take drugs, or you know whatever it might be. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> who knows, man? I mean, sometimes uh, for me, <laughs> I also like to look at things through the eyes of other people. So um, when I talk to my wife about something that I'm working on, and she'll give me some feedback, sort of in the process. And so just hearing the feedback kind of can help the juices uh, start flowing again. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that I've noticed that I really have noticed is that failure is just a big part of it. And you have to be able to Mm. embrace the failure of it if you want to create something that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So maybe your first idea for a a soap scent is not the one you're going to go with. And, you know, sometimes we fall in love with something because, you know, what if I don't use this and what if I can't think of a better idea and you just kind of have to trust it. Um, and either... It, you know set aside or i don't really i don't really know the best way to describe it um, but yeah no, no, so inspiration no. is really just whatever yeah yeah
4: yeah so it's an interesting point about uh, failure because you know um i wonder how many ideas artisans go through before it reaches the end product i mean you know there, there must be you know you must go through loads of ideas through through a year, trying to think up of you know different things, more challenging things, or you know maybe more mainstream, but it's just maybe it's too too mainstream, perhaps.
0: Sure, well, I think that the biggest thing um, if you want to do something well is learning how to say no and learning how to edit yourself, because it's not even necessarily having the ideas. I mean, yes, it's the ideas, but it's figuring out which ones to pursue and then when even to let something die, you know, sometimes it's not working and you can't just force it Sunk cost or whatever. Uh, yeah. because the truth is you're respecting the people that you're creating for. So I know that we have musicians, for instance, on the podcast, if something's not working, you just don't play it. You know, you don't, you scrap it until it's ready. And, and that's because you respect not only yourself, but you also respect the audience. And you know, if you keep on putting out yep. shit, then people are not going to keep coming back.
4: Yeah. This is a great point, you know, I, it's it's such a well, a great thing about the community in that it's it's so concentrated. I guess it's because it's such a niche product. If you you know if you let down your customer, you know word will spread quite easily. You know we know certain artisans who you know still have a following, but their name is you know pretty pretty much on a black list.
5: <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I definitely think that some people. Uh, it's more of a volume you know, quantity over quality. And they're just sort of hoping that if they throw a bunch of stuff at the wall, then something will stick and then they'll keep on bringing that back.
1: Can I ask a question about volume? Yeah. of So, course. so, um, if I understood right, um, you don't do this full time, right?
0: No. And, um, in fact, at the beginning, I was just sort of making a batch of soap, dropping it, you know, the whole scent was maybe, a, I made a hundred soaps and that was, it was gone. Mm-hmm. And then that gave me enough money to start working on the next one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I would make that one and then I would drop it. And uh, bringing on Vita as a production partner allowed me to scale up. But even at that, we're still not, um, it's still not a very big operation. I think our top selling soap of last year sold 300 tubs in the ah, whole year. Hmm. Okay. And that's okay. including vendors and everything.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I see. So yeah, okay, so it's, it's not, um, uh, it, it's really a niche that is small enough that, uh, that you have to do it as a hobby.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, if I was if I was trying to do this full time, um, I would make different decisions, mm-hmm. more risks, I think, because yep. of you know what what this is. Um, and when people say, like, for instance, you asked about the synthetic menthol and the splash, it would be very easy for me to to offer a bunch of options if I was full time, but because we're not making enough volume, you have to make a decision to say this is what we're going with. And as long as we describe it accurately and people know what they're getting, if they don't want that thing, then they won't buy that thing. And you have to sort of be okay with that. Yeah. Um, when you're a larger operation, you're just trying to do a lot of volume. And so it makes the calculation for what gets made and and how you market and stuff is is just different. Um, I personally hate advertising and I hate marketing like as a consumer, Mm -hmm. Um, it makes me irrationally angry. I, I will turn off the radio or just, you know, whatever. Um, and so it's hard for me to do that as a brand, but of course, if I was doing this full time and that was my only source of income and I had to support myself and my family, uh, well, I'd have to figure out some marketing plan, you know, some legitimate thing other than, Hey, everyone, here's a bit of information with a few jokes thrown in, you know, (laughs) Uh, which is currently what I do. So, (laughs) and and there's just a, a different calculation that you do when, when you're trying to move large volumes a product like a lot of the, the full-time artisans do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it means that, you know, when there's rankings, obviously I'm big in, in, in the sub because that's where I'm active. But outside of the sub, when people are like, oh, can you recommend me a soap that's good for beginners and has a interesting scent? You would think House of Mammoth would get recommended every time, but it never does just because I'm just not out there. I'm not, I don't have the time. I don't have the money to be mm-hmm. full-time in front of eyes. So I had to pick and choose where I spend my time and so spending it with you guys, it's my it's my favorite community from the beginning, from when I first got into the hobby it was our, our wet shaving. Uh even though it was a little intimidating at first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it shows. I mean we see we see your posts on the sub and in the chats every day. So yeah, it, it really shows that that you like this community and um and I, I mean, it's very much uh, reciprocal. It's uh, it, it shows that this is your niche that you that you feel comfortable in, and uh, that you al- also feel comfortable in the culture. In
0: well, I mean, I've been in other communities, and I have no problem engaging. But you know, sometimes I'll be in a chat or something, and somebody will say something to the effect of, you know, oh, you're only here to sell us products, you know. And I just wish that I could turn off. I could just not be known as the House of Mammoth guy. Mm. Because I legitimately am in the chat not to sell anybody anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I hope that it, it's inescapable, you know, for some people, they're just going to be like, this guy's here to sell me something. Because you know what? The truth is, that's what I would think. I hate advertising and I hate snake oil and I hate all of that. So if you've got something to sell, like I've got that BS detector up bald, <laughs> you know, 24-7. <laughs> Even if you're not, I'm like, mm, yeah, we'll see eventually, eventually you're going to drop the sales pitch, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I have a very scary sign on the front of my door. That's like no soliciting, no religion, no menus, no salesman, no nothing. Like, it's just like, it's hilarious. to The point where I even had somebody come that I invited to come and give me a quote for something on my house. And he called me from the driveway and he said, I'm here. Is it okay if I come in? I saw the
1: sign. <laughs> I don't want to knock. <laughs> 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 nice. <laughs> hey um I just have one uh, quick uh, message so um the eld has uh, tornado sirens going off in his neighborhood so he also Oh happens. goodness. Okay. So, um, maybe that I <laughs> oh, he's got I, it. I hope I I hope this is okay. I mean well, okay. Ohio is tornado country, I think. Had a
4: uh, 3.8 um, <laughs> scale earthquake in Wales. So
1: <laughs> In Wales?
4: In Wales, yeah, made the news.
1: Uh, 3.8, um, well, whatever is on the Richter scale. Apparently. Yeah. I've wow. never heard of an earthquake in the UK. Wow. <laughs> Do you also have some questions?
3: Sure, Ben. Can you talk about the logistics of how you work with Vita in Chicago in terms of sending stuff back and forth, the general process, stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, thank God for UPS, I guess. Uh, <laughs>
0: Uh, but yeah, generally, um, I'm working on sort of the the conceptual side of things and the business side of things. So I do all of the customer service and the taxes and all of the sort of technical stuff, all the accounting. I work with, with the Shopify backend. Um, and then, of course, my wife and I, you know, once there's a product that we're a new one that we want to develop, my wife and I sit down and she's sort of... Uh, the illustrator so she can work the software (laughs) and we discuss what the label should look like and we pick colors and we do that um but then when i order the labels i have them shipped to vita in chicago um and same thing with the the tubs you know the jars that the soap comes in Um, and then beyond that i'm working on mainly just perfumery and social media and whatever else and so when i'm Working on the fragrances, Um, I'll be testing them here in New York, I'll send them. I have a couple of testers that I send stuff to, which is always good to get feedback. Uh, And then once everything's complete, um, it's time for the production batch of fragrance. And so I'll go ahead and I'll order all of the materials that I need delivered to me. Um, It would be great if I could send that to to Vita and have her put everything together. (laughs) Um, And there are places that do compound fragrances. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it really does take – it's just like making making shaving soap. There's a process to it. Certain materials need to be warmed before they can be incorporated. Um, you don't want to incorporate too much air because then you're oxidizing your precious, beautiful materials, um, and so on and so forth. So I, I make the production batch of the fragrance, and then I ship it to Vita. Um, I also have a quantity of unscented tusk here myself. She had sent me a big box of it. Um, and so I will do a preliminary test. Of course, I can test in, in alcohol, I, can, I perfume is alcohol. So I do the EDP test to see what concentration that should be. And then I usually start with a certain baseline concentration in the soap. And I'll incorporate a little bit into the unscented soap just to kind of figure out what strength this particular fragrance is. And um, then I'll make that recommendation to Vita. And then she'll go ahead and make me basically a test a quad or a trifecta, I should say. Um, and then she'll send that to me. And then I verify that everything is good, or I tell her to change something or another. And then from there, it's really just a matter of me basically placing an order with her as if I was, you know, a host, uh, a vendor, you know, hey, Vita, I'd like to order 100 tubs of Fuga, you know. <laughs> and then she tells me when they're completed, and I put them live on the site. And then when the orders come in, she can see it. And so she uh, she's on on the back end as well as part of my store. And so she will fulfill the order. And um, I pay the, the bills.
1: A oh, nice. hey, hey, quick question. Do you, do you ever have to change the sense uh, for the soap? You know, I, I have done that a couple of times. Because I thought, you know, no one does this. I'm going to try to make it more
0: accurate in the soap. (laughs) And I I just realized fairly early on that it's a losing proposition. Because you can increase certain things. But there's a certain upper limit where skin safety plus there's decreasing returns. It's just not possible. Um, At least for what I want to do. If I was doing something a lot simpler fragrance-wise, then I I could probably do that but uh, at this point it really just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even done, you know, I did the Pinky Swear release where I did complimentary. So knowing that like the soap was gonna swallow up a lot of the fragrance's complexity, I went a lot simpler in the soap with just a straight cotton candy scent. And that was kind of like a childhood, you know, <laughs> uh, childlike scent. And then the splash and the, and the fragrance, the EDP, was where I brought in the other elements, the more complicated and complex elements. And I really liked that, to be honest, but um, Hmm. it seemed like it was very confusing for people because nobody else in the whole hobby was doing that. And so people were just like, oh yeah, I smell all the complexities in the soap. like, well, it's not in there, you know? (laughs) And and, you know, that's embarrassing. Like, I don't want to embarrass anybody. Um, So I just sort
1: of- But you cannot let it stand either.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and it's, and it's true that, you know, soap is not a transparent medium, so it's just going to smell different off the tub than it does when I make it, <laughs> and then when, it's, when you spray it, you know, in the fragrance. The cool thing about um, fragrance, though, is that it's a temporal medium. It's, it's, it's sort of like music. It's a moment. Uh, it, it goes through time, um, mm-hmm. and so you actually can live your life with fragrance alongside of it, so it's really fun to have it unfold. So if you think about soap and the way that it just kind of smushes everything into that one moment. Yeah. Um, and you're lathering basically with just one note. Um sometimes things will like linger after you're done after you rinsed, you know, but it's it's pretty rare that you get a genuine a general a genuine um top heart base. Um usually it's just very compressed.
1: Yeah. Ah, uh, it's it's a very nice way of, of putting it. This uh, temporal it, it, to compare it to music, <laughs> and, and it uh, it illustrates a little bit the, the the silliness that that we demand so much scent of the soap, <laughs> which is over in in a few minutes. Yeah,
0: I mean, but if you think about it, it could be kind of a nice thing, mm-hmm. um, as long as you take it as it is and you're not expecting the soap to be your perfume. Yeah. From your face, you know, it's not designed it won't be that. It's not designed. I,
1: I to would also that. I would also have questions if a soap worked like a perfume. <laughs> Something would be wrong.
0: <laughs> well, I, I I mean people are trying to do
1: that, you know, right now. I, and it's just it's not a good thing and I just really yeah, like I mean just chemically soap is supposed to take things off your skin. It it it, it shouldn't have anything that lingers long.
0: No, it, it's not supposed to work that way anyway, and, and, it, and, and it won't. Mm. So if anything, you'll just hurt yourself and your food will taste different, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, uh. But yeah, I mean, similar to
0: music, you know, fragrance can kind of be an accompaniment to your daily life. Mm-hmm. So in soap, it's an accompaniment to your, your shave. There's enough fragrance there that you enjoy it during the shave then the aftershave can help that last a little bit longer. But again, it's going on your face. So you really don't want a huge dose of perfume on your face, on shaven skin. Mm -hmm. You want that specifically to be designed to soothe, you know, the shaven skin. And then after that, you're going to put something maybe that will help to uh, keep the moisture in and stuff like that too. You know, there's different uses for different products is what I mean. But then if you wear the fragrance, you can spray it on your body, on your wrist, on pulse points where... You're going to get warmth, and that warmth throughout the day will kind of activate uh, the fragrance. Um, I definitely, personally, I like to spray, you know, just one under the the shirt a lot of times is a good one. And then if I'm like, I just want to smell that, I can kind of like pull my shirt and kind of get a waft of it a little bit. Another good spot is on the wrist because then it's not really near your nose at all. Um, but then you'll catch it just as you're kind of going through your daily life. Um, I'm Italian, so I use my hands a lot, so I probably would get it a lot more from my <laughs> wrist than you guys would. Um, but that's a, that's another good spot for it because then again, the warmth of the blood um, on your post point is going to activate and and cause those molecules to sort of diffuse and and lift lift off of your skin.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm.
4: So whenever I uh, see sort of spraying the air and walk into it, then they're just uh, wasted products, aren't they?
0: <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, that actually is nice because then it will stick to your your clothes, and there's a lot of fragrance materials that stick better to clothes uh, and fabric than it will to, to skin. Just make sure that it's nothing, you know, sometimes fragrance can discolor fabrics, but if you're just doing a fine mist like that, I don't think it's going to cause... If you're spraying it at close range and you get, like, saturated, that'll be a problem. But if you're walking into a mist, I don't think it'll be an issue. Not fair enough, <laughs> <laughs> I
4: won't say if it's my wife ever again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm just saying, some things, though, are, are, are deeply colored. So, uh, you know, oak moss and some of these things are, like, a deep, dark color. So you might you might get a little bit of staining.
3: Ben, you're, you're so active on the sub, like you said... And I've learned so much listening to you talk today, which just goes to show that if you really want to learn, you have to talk to these artisans. And so what better way than at the Maggard meetup in June? You can come talk to Ben.
1: Ah, are you are you both going there, huh? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I'm going to be there. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not in the cards for me. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm
0: looking forward to to meeting Visor Watch and whoever else is going to be there. I hope you guys show up. I think over half the tickets have already been sold. So if you're hearing this and you've thought about going, even just get on there and buy the ticket right now. <laughs> and Do now it. we are also advertising. For Do it. Yeah,
5: uh, sales <laughs> I love it. Yeah.
0: And uh, we're gonna have a table. Uh, Vita and I will be there. Um, we'll we'll try to bring something that will be special just for the meet. Um, I kind of have an idea that's forming right now, where instead of making like a meet, meetup scent from scratch. I might take a little bit of all of the different scents and put, put that all together, sort of like CBUBS did with, with V and X. Um, but in, instead of doing the finished products, putting together some of the trials. So some of the fragrances that I've made, ah. I've taken up to 30 plus trials. And so I have all these little tiny uh, vials of, you know I work in very, very small batches of under four milliliters, let's say. And so putting all of those together and then kind of testing that and figuring out if I could turn that into a, a fragrance. So not just sort of dumping it into a jar and then selling it to people, but seeing if I could bottle the essence of that and, and complement it in some way ornament it in some way so that it actually becomes something interesting. Yeah, cool. Um,
1: <laughs> sort of like the sense of failure in a way. The try and try again. Uh, well, now I'm even more jealous that I cannot go to the meetup. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell, uh, Tell somebody to buy you one if we yeah. end up doing it, but
0: you might
5: not,
1: so. Yeah, I, I might uh, I, I think I have a contact there. <laughs> okay. Um are we through all the questions?
4: I, I don't have any more, I don't think. I think uh, Ben has been very concise and
0: insightful with his responses. Mm-hmm.
1: Ben, do you have any questions? Anything or anything that you um, wish we would have asked you?
0: No. I mean the only thing that I could say, you know, like I said, I, I don't like doing marketing and so on, but I am very excited about the the next couple of cents that we have coming out in addition to um, Shire, and um, so I'll definitely get a chance. I hope that whoever's listening is following us on IG, um, email list, whatever it is, Facebook, um, and of course the sub because you know I always post all of our updates there. So I'm excited. We've we've actually been quiet for a while um, since the holidays, um, and so it's exciting that we've got some new stuff that's coming out.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. I think with that, um, uh, we are at a good place to end the episode. Uh, Is that okay? That's fine with me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I just wanted to say thank you guys for having me. Um, You know, I I know, uh, I feel like when someone reached out to me, they were like, ooh, the grand, amazing, artisan, you know, famous person. But really, I'm just a guy. And for me, it's just really cool that you guys um, are doing something like this. That's just really really fun like it just reminds me of you know when i used to make radio shows in my my bedroom or just getting together with folks and jamming playing music just the kind of thing where you're just sort of celebrating something that we all enjoy together with friends and so um thanks for letting me be a
1: part of it well thank you for saying that and thank you yeah. for joining us it was really great having you here and yeah, absolutely. you can follow this podcast on Mastodon at uh, audiobookclubshaves at wetshaving.social. Mammoth Ben also has an account there, not too active yet. This was the February episode of uh, Judge's Shave. We will see you again in March with uh, possibly a new guest judge. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Goodbye, bye. all. Ben, this is where you say bye. Gone. Ah, he's gone. Okay, well... <laughs> ha 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 ha